Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Sizzle your way into the new year with help from every plate. Add a 10-ounce ranch steak to your weekly order for just $1 per box while your subscription is active. Get $1.49 per meal plus $1 steaks for life with the code 49POA at everyplate.com slash podcast. That's everyplate.com slash podcast. Use the code 49POA. What's up, Airheads? Welcome back. We're in the virtual Airstream studios. I want to actually start with what you just said, because I can't not, if that's all right. You were looking through some airmail to read later, so we could. <laughs> you, it, somebody has alerted us to the fact that apparently Ron DeSantis is advertising on our podcast, so that's, yep. uh, that's fun. I feel like he ain't doing his research well enough. I mean, of course we're not, but we're stupid, so that, that checks it's out. It's our friend you know? Donnie that wrote in, just to give him some credit for pointing it out. Yeah, so... You know, they, the way the ads work differently, we read some of them. Then there's these other, we call them other ads. So uh, what they, are, what they those are, they're targeted ads from Google. So I assume Donnie lives in Florida or no, actually right. DeSantis is all over now. Like he's wanting to be the primary guy. So yeah, but um, that ain't those, happen, but yeah. those are targeted, um, like inserted ads that we don't have. I think they're called dynamic inserts. Like we don't have anything to do with those. It's just that because our page is monetized, it, We'll put ads in there and it targets them toward it, it picks the ads based on you. That's why I just assume Donnie lives in Florida. It's not based on our show. Right. Yes. Yeah, so I just want people to know that, you know, if you hear DeSantis pitching or whatever on here, um, it weren't us. Um, no, but, but we will take his matters. money, I guess, if it's going to be, you know, if anything, <clears throat> like it sucks, but I don't, I don't think they just pick those, you know? Yeah. So uh, you told me earlier I was going to love your topic today. Are, we, are you going to like surprise me with it later? Or, I'll you know? tell you right now. Uh, right. I'll give you a hint. If you're looking for me, you can find me on the block disobeying the law. With a gun in my drawers. We're going to be talking about Akon. Akon? Holy shit. I know that he's wild as hell, right? He is. Well, this is going to be a... A wild episode, a wild juxtaposition of an episode. I got a couple of things up top, and then I just want to, I ain't going too in depth or whatever, uh, but I just, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Tennessee Williams. So nice. Tennessee, Tennessee Williams and Akon. Is this from our glass menagerie uh, conversation? Yeah. It's yes. funny. I've been, uh, I went. It was on Well Read Podcast, just so y'all know. It's a crossover yeah, event. I, yeah, and I thumbed through. I bu- I buy a lot of pocket plays um, when I go to used bookstores and stuff. Like they're just the little, like they're teeny tiny, you know, easily readable pocket plays because I want to learn how to write those. And when you said that, I went to my thing of pocket plays and I realized that I had a Streetcar Named Desire, The Glass Menagerie, and all these Tennessee Williams that I wanted to start reading to talk about him on this podcast. But I'm glad you're talking about him. Yeah. Well, look, if you're wanting to like do a deep, because I thought. 
I had the idea like last night. I was like, oh, Tennessee Williams, he fits POA's brand very well. Right. I could talk about Tennessee Williams. Then I was taking a shower, you know, before doing the show. And I started thinking like, ah, man, I don't know. I feel like it's almost like, because I, you know, the only one, I've actually never even seen a streetcar named Desire. I've seen mm-hmm. the Glass Menagerie before. Uh, but like, I'm just not that. I started thinking, it's like, I know he's a legend and whatnot, but I'm not really that familiar with his actual work. Right. And so I don't know, you know, I started to have second thoughts about talking about him without actually, you know, cause if we start talking about Quentin Tarantino or something, I can do that. You know what I mean? Cause I'm familiar with his oeuvre. We can do that if you want to, but uh, Tennessee Williams, I'm not, but still right. we'll just give a, whatever, an overview of his whole, uh, his whole thing. Cause he definitely does fit the brand. But before any of that, um, Got a couple other things here. I'm gonna share this screen for you. Uh, I'll maybe I'll try to like narrate this a little bit for people that are only listening. That. But I uh, want you to. Ooh, here we go. Yeah, but well, anyway. So this is on Reddit. It, it, it's a from a, it's like a TikTok video that's now on Reddit, and it's uh the the, the caption on it says ordering most expensive drinks. This is at a bar in New Orleans. What the hell? I too follow the stupid food subreddit. It's a great one. It ain't working. No. Okay. Give no, it a second. Don't hit. Just don't Clap hit. At it. That That's what Granny used to do at the TV when it would mess up. She'd go, ah, ah, get on back. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. You ever successfully Fonzied anything? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, a jukebox one time. <laughs> Yeah, I've Fonzied a lot of things. Like, that's a, that's a chill thing. You know what I mean? I know it is. Well, I was about to say, I figured you were going to say yes, and you could already guess that I've never done that. It's never worked for me, not once. You broke the thing even further when you tried to Fonzie it. Yeah, I had these big meat hooks for one thing, you know. But uh, anyway, let's try this one more again. Sorry about the technical issues we have in here. But yeah, it says, ordering expensive drinks. This is in New Orleans. Let's turn the volume on. Oh, here we go. How much is that? Two seventy-five. Let me get it. Hold on, wait a minute. This is the cup. Look at that cup. Hold on. Three <laughs> gallon hurricane in New Orleans. Go all in. The leader of Pat O'Brien's rum. Rum. You can get this rum anywhere. Okay, only here. That rum don't hit. Only in New Orleans. No, it don't. <laughs> that's the house rum there. That, that's right gross. What I'm talking about. Hold on, wait a minute. Wait, I think you missed a drop. That's what I'm talking about. There we go. Right, now, Is this, this three whole bottles? Two Ooh. whole fifths of uh, rum Let's on go, ice. Baby. It's Friday night. Jeez. We outside. Okay, the cocktail mix. What flavor is this? This is passion fruit. Oh, passion fruit. Shout out to Drake. Those two liters of rum, Jesus. two liters of mix. Easy, easy. Stir it up. Whole cup of cherries on top. No, you gotta have, you know, you gotta be healthy. Three orange slices. The orange, baby. All right, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's do it, baby. Please. Please. Your daughter's prom dress. Wow, I'm watching my figure. Oh my lord! (laughs) Yeah, come on now. I know, yeah, I know. That was the that was the you kicker just, there. Was right. so like, for anybody that's not just listening, you may have heard that sound at the end was him pouring the two hundred and seventy five dollar three gallon hurricane directly into the trash after taking like a sip or two of it and flossing on everybody. Apparently, I don't know this. I don't follow this dude, obviously, but apparently that's what he do. 
he goes around all these places that cater to like stupid people who think they know how rich people act, but they right. don't, you know, and does that type of shit. Like he buys steaks covered in gold, gold. leaf and shit and, and throws jerks himself off over it. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if he always throws them away, but anyway, well, that just uh, don't hit for me in the Supreme, but also bro, good for that bar, I guess. $275. Yeah. Those two bottles of rum, what do they cost the bar? What's that cost the bar? But 12 bucks easily. And I mean, bucks with the mix thrown in, maybe $18 total max. And they charge 275 for it. And that's all it is, is just rum and a pre made cocktail mix in a big I ass hope, glass. I hope that guy still tips, you know, and in, in that case, I'm like, whatever. But like, I'm number one, the first thing I wanted to point out is that like, you're right. That is the whale drink. That's the whale rum. But like with as much as drinks are marked up in big cities and like popular drink cities like new Orleans, I'd say pound for pound. That wasn't even that ridiculously expensive. Cause if you made a bunch of individual drinks with that same shit in it, it would probably be $275. You know what I mean? But yeah. here's what pisses me off is like, I'm I'm actually fine if you can find a way to point out that all of this either corporate greed or consumer dumbassery is stupid, but like it's I'm not even sure I'm mad that you're wasting the alcohol because it was bullshit, but like with the steak, it's like, okay, bro, instead of throwing it away, why don't you and I'm not trying to get up on a soapbox here, but like why don't you make the point that it's stupid and then go give it to a homeless person or something? You know what yeah, I mean? I know for a fact that this dude does not hit, but be, to be completely fair to him, I don't know that he ends every single one of his videos with him throwing the thing away. I don't, I don't know that he always does that. But like the other, the food and stuff, the fan, the gold steaks and shit, he might eat those and poop them out later. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but speaking of pooping them out later, there was something I wanted to tell you about also, uh, just f file it under the category. She, we passed was wild. Right. Um, <laughs> Eating poop. Yeah, not oh, kind what? of. Not, well, not like no, Not exactly, but uh, in the 19th century, so in the 1800s, there was a very popular uh, GI remedy, right? Uh, called an antimony pill, mm -hmm. right? Or also also known as the everlasting pill. Uh, so what this was was it was just basically a little bullet. Made from antimony, which I'd never. It might be an, an, antimony. Antimony. I don't, antimony. 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 I, I, I'm not familiar with this shit, but it's some kind of metallic compound. I'm pro money. It's, it's on the. Yeah, I'm not anti money. Uh, pro money for show. Uh, it's on the periodic table and all that. It's just a little pill made out of this metal that you swallow, mm -hmm. and uh, that metal don't hit for your body. So. Uh -huh it gets down in your guts and like cleans you out. Um, cause yeah. you, you take it and you start purging, uh, pretty much immediately. Cause you're being poisoned. So, right? Yes. You're poisoning yourself with this metal <laughs> and you start purging. So it's like, Oh man, I got, I'm, I'm a little backed up. Bring me my poop bullet. Right. And then you just start, <laughs> you swallow it and start, you know, it starts coming out both ends, I guess, or whatever. And you're like, all right, nice and uh, liberated now. You know, John Wayne could have used this, I guess. But why do you think they called it the everlasting pill? Um, Let me guess. It's because the metal that is in said bullet that you eat 
while some of its uh, some of its stuff can seep out into your body, your stomach acid isn't strong enough to completely digest it, so it stays in there forever, slowly leaking out toxins into you and making you shit yourself. No, you were close at first, but okay. uh, you you do poop it out. Uh, you oh, poop it. Com- uh. You poop it completely out. Well, you get a uh, scar from it. It cuts your you asshole. No, you don't digest it at all. Uh, you poop it out. You know, the metal itself poisons you, but you don't break down the metal at all. So you poop out the same pill you swallowed, except now it's in your poop, right? But Oh, you know, I know why. I know why. I know why they sell it again. Yeah, well, they don't oh. sell it. Just take it again. They keep using it. Oh. You know, 1800s, dude, you're a peasant. You know, uh apothecary stuff is hard to come by you know medical care like you know you know how expensive leeches was yeah I mean, they probably quite a bit you know compared to what a peasant had three cabbages and a fucking you know goose head or whatever for for one set of leeches so you know you had to stretch it as much as you could and so they had these pills these metal bullets that made you poop um they they'd fish it out of their own poop of course clean it off down there well, you'd creek, hear it hit the porcelain bowl that you shat into, I guess, back then. Right. You know, and, I've uh, been, and then they'd been... save it and use it again. One other quick note: they also, because these were everlasting, they never went bad, they never degraded. They also were often uh, family passed heirlooms down. <laughs> passed down, <laughs> literally passed down by generations. Or also, one peasant family would share the same bullet, oh. poop bullet. Right. They have uh, one poop bullet for the whole mud house, right? That had eight kids in it and, and uh they're illiterate parents and they have one poop bullet between them and they're drinking dirt water all day, so their guts stay <laughs> fucked up, right? So they're they just pass they just swallow poop, clean it off, pass it to your brother, he swallows it, he poops, clean it off, you know, and this on and on from there. So everybody's swallowing each other's poop pills. Well, I've been a uh, live long day. So I've been what do you think, think- about that? Well, I've been thinking about the goose pluckers all wrong because the way that I've always envisioned them is like, here's a group of people that don't need help having diarrhea. You know what I mean? Like, I just figured that I just I honestly figured that things were running straight through them all the time. But, you know, it it's also a part of being ill that you get backed up. So it makes sense. Right. So, yeah, (laughs) no, no, that don't hit. How much money would it take for you to swallow something that somebody else had pooped out if it had been the washed off? It? It's a good question. Drew. Drew pooped <laughs> it out. You take my family, <laughs> dog. Take just like just put that bullet in a gun and shoot me in the head instead. How about that? Yeah. What if it but was like, some random stranger? You okay, well, all right. Well, what if what if it was Margot Robbie who pooped it out? <laughs> yeah. I mean, do I get to meet her? No. You just, it's verified. It's verified that this bullet was pooped out of Margot Robbie, and now you got to swallow it. Is there money on the table? Like I can't. Yeah, I'm, get well, I'm per- saying like what? What's your? You know, what would your price? But I, I would expect you to just be like, hell yeah, let's give it here. You know, um, like okay. Do people? Do people find? Because I'd say. The more the money in these scenarios, the more the money goes up, you start throwing back another like, okay, well, if it's that much, though, everyone has to know you did it. Does anyone know that I did it? Well, let's say no. Let's see what your what your price is. 
Um, I would do it for six months of my mortgage because I could really use that. I've been wanting to write a novel, and I think that would be enough time to get started on it. And so, yeah, I would uh, I'd do it for six months of my mortgage, which I live in North Georgia. That's actually not that much. I, Man, I, could, probably get, what, I could probably get the whole year. What an origin story that would be for, like, yeah. if, <laughs> if the novel that you wrote ended up being some smash hit that started a franchise or something, yeah. and then later, you know, 50 years down the road, somebody's looking at the Wikipedia page for it, yeah. and it's like, no, he got the money out. for this by swallowing a poop bullet? Yeah. Uh, I would save that for... Unorthodox. I would save that story. If, if nobody has to find it out, I would save that story... <laughs> For when I'm 80-something years old and I'm doing whatever the equivalent of WTF with Mark Maron is at that time, I would be the last thing I said, and I would never do another interview again, and I would just go home and yeah. die. You mean, you know, like, you like plug your stuff, thanks for having me. By the way, I got all that money by <laughs> swallowing a poop bullet, and then you just get up yeah. and walk out. Yeah. And then go, it was from Margaret Robbie, though, and then I just yeah. fucking shoot myself right on camera. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. Okay. So six months of your mortgage. What if you had to like, okay, that's if nobody has to know it changes yeah. for you. If everybody knows I'm, I'm a gathering. little bit, it, no, it definitely changes for me. If it, And it's not because I think people will think, Oh, he's gross for eating Margot Robbie's poop bullet. It's that like, I think, I think there's a lot of people that would go, Oh yeah, this guy, he'll do anything. So he doesn't have to work. You know what I mean? Because like, <laughs> that's what really, that's, that would be it for me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because like, there's so many people and I'm not going to get into the the weeds of what all, what all it takes for me and you to appear to be the lackadaisical motherfuckers that we appear to be. But like, we work really hard. Like both of us work really hard, but like the end result looks like it was fun to do which oftentimes it is so people are like god damn it if all i had to do was sit around making fucking videos all day i guess i'd make you know money too and I'm, i've always had that chip on my shoulder of like anytime somebody says that i want to go you know what man let's i agree that what i do is fun but like where do you work let's trade jobs for two weeks and tell me if you're not fucking at least mentally exhausted you know what I mean? And so that would just be more fuel to the fire of like this fucking guy's never worked an honest day in his life. He just fucking lives in his parents' basement and eats goddamn Margot Robbie's poop bullets every six months and writes a fucking book. <sighs> I mean, if you know, yeah, if it was like repeatable, that'd be a pretty good, oh, pretty good there. little scheme there. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, pay your whole mortgage out, off. Give it back to her. Yeah, but then, oh, well, that's a, she, yeah, she wouldn't want to. Did she be eating your poop bullet? Yeah, and that ain't gonna. There's not a price happen. for not, that. Not a price. There ain't, ain't enough money on God's green earth to make well, her eat your poop have, bullet. She could have several different poop bullets, I guess, and you know, keep. I would look if I did it once, I would do it. An, an infinite amount of times because it's like if you're, e you're either so yeah. yeah because like you're right you're never not going to be someone who ate margot robbie's poop bullet so who gives a shit if you did it again no one's going to go god damn when you'd only done it five times i was on your team but 10 you're disgusting you know what i mean yeah i don't even know i don't even know how like where people would rank eating a poop bullet in the day that we live in with the stuff you can find on the internet and everything, you know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, like we've talked before, I think on the show about muck buying and stuff. And yeah. like we're fat people just like gorge on disgusting food on camera and people watch them. Cause Not it hits for them people. for some reason. Skinny Asians do it too. And it, it, I mean, a little bit when it's noodles. 
Okay, that's literally just, I mean, well, I guess that is what it is. The, right. That is how it started, was like weirdos like Cho like to watch Asian women eat noodles. Right? I never People sought it out. out. It just came across, I dis, I, I was, at first I was like, what is this bullshit? And then it kept coming up and like the Asians were hot and like they were slurping on noodles and it kind of hit for me. And, uh, but it's, now it's morphed into like a whole extremist wild ass thing that in yeah, my opinion like does not hit. No, it don't. Um, it's like people, dude, do you look at the YouTube thumbnails and stuff for some, cause I've looked at a morbid curiosity and like, it just, they're like, well, you know, they got like a gallon of spaghetti hanging out of their yeah. mouth and they're just hugely fat and red faced and they look like they're choking. They got tears in their eyes. Yeah. Oh, it's like five <laughs> spaghetti gallon challenge. Fucking it's got 3 million challenge. views or whatever. And it's like, why, what? I don't understand this world that we live in, but I don't um, either. And you know, and like, that's my thing is that the way that we look at those people, people would look at me for making money off the poop bullet, even though in my opinion, the poop bullet is actually less disgusting. Cause like I'd wash well, that's, it that's off. What, that's, that's kind of what I was saying. I was yeah, saying, right. Like, I'm saying like, I don't even know how outrageous it would be to eat a poop bullet in 2024. Right. With everything else that's out there, you know, might yeah. not even really move the needle that much. I mean, also, good for like, me. we're neglecting to mention, I got, but she ate it when it was new. Margot Robbie yeah. had a new unused poop bullet. Poop bullet. Yeah. It was just a bullet when she ate it. That was just old timey. Like, you know, she was just doing old timey medicine stuff. Right. Uh, she was, get, she was uh, preparing for a role. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, it's a good looking gal. I'll tell you, Trey. Who that? that I'm Margot not afraid Robbie. To, I'm not oh, afraid yeah. to say it. You know? Oh it, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Might not be politically correct, but Lord God, that's a good looking gal. Oh yeah. No, she's a looker. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Going going all Fargo on me, are you? Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching Fargo. How's lately, the new yeah. season? Uh. Oh. Okay. It's okay then. No, it's pretty. Okay. No, it's great. No, it's I'm, great. I'm watching season two right now. It's uh that there is my favorite season of nice. sing, my favorite single season of any television show ever made. Don't you know? Sure is shaping up to be that way. I'll tell you that much right now. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Tennessee Williams for a little bit, I suppose. Um, oh, can know, I do something real quick before you do that? I just, yeah, I have one. I had one more thing, but it fits more in this part of the show uh, than it would uh, before. I just wanted your opinion on something. Uh, I'm going to share. Uh, my screen real quick here we go tell me if you can see that can you it's coming up now hang on yeah the kind this is this is king charles official portrait they finally he's had portraits before but back when he was prince charles so this is like his official all right this decaying portrait right and i mean you know as far as portrait goes it looks nice and stuff like that but something that i'd never considered with this this particular portrait has caused um a an uprising among some people in the uk and i saw people were pissed about it and i was just looking at the portrait i was like what the f andrew's not in it like what the fuck are people you know mad about well i didn't consider this like the the king's portrait not only is done to like show on you know as his picture for like when they're doing media or whatever but like that portrait gets hung up in every school, in every, you know, government building, in and, right. in, all, and in all of their colonies and shit like that. Because, like, I remember, yep. you know, going to, when I we went on a cruise one time, we got off to go to this bar, and I'm seeing fucking Queen Elizabeth everywhere. And I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, right, duh, that makes sense. Anyways, 
this portrait. Where were you at? Where were you at? Uh, I don't remember, frankly. I was, I found cocaine somewhere in the Caribbean. Immediately. They still they still own. They do they still own places in the Caribbean now to this I day? I guess they like, own they this. They still they don't still own Jamaica, do they? Like it wasn't Jamaica's Jamaica. Indep- I'm pretty sure Jamaica's independent, but like yeah, wherever it was, there to, was though. yeah, there was that lady on the wall. Um, but anyways, okay. it estimates that this particular portrait is going to end up representing eight million dollars in taxpayers' money because it has to be put up everywhere and that i was like god damn i didn't really think about it like that that's just crazy to me it's gonna cost them eight million dollars to hang up that picture everywhere it needs to be hung up yeah picture needs to be like physically reproduced and mounted on a wall eight million dollars worth of times that is i mean that's what i read it could be wrong but that's what i read that's a shitload of pictures bro it it is a shitload of pictures and also, though, I mean, I how much, how much that, you think it takes to hang up a picture one time? I don't you know? know. That's what You're I was thinking. Got to do it, print it off. It's got to be high quality. I bet they're all. I bet they're using only frames that hit. That's what I'm saying because, like, well, when I was a kid, well, you I don't know, know, probably not in like a fucking Leeds post office or something. They probably yeah. don't have an ornate, elaborate fucking frame for that portrait. You know, I mean, I used to work for the federal government. We had when I worked there, we had Barack Obama and Joe Biden on the wall. Boo, hiss, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, they were just in a, they didn't even have a frame. It was like, it was a frame, but it was so thin. You know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't look like a frame. It just looked like a mounted picture on the wall in the right. lobby of the federal building when you walked in. I'm and still I sure that costs a lot of money. Why? why, why? Like, well, just because I'm not just there's a bunch like, of Why would just that there's cost a bunch a lot of money? Well, that's right, actually, because we don't do it in all our schools, I don't think. You know what I mean? Like, I we don't know. I don't know if we do school, it in all our schools, but over there, dude, like, if they're putting it in every goddamn school. Do what now? A public school should have a picture of the president in it, shouldn't it? I, I when I was a kid, I don't remember ever seeing Slick Willie on the wall. Now, Bush, they probably I hung that know, one up. Man, I think that... I believe you, but I don't remember it. You know? Granted, I, I, what, I didn't The soul food place in, uh, in Salina, they got a picture of the president on the wall. Still Obama, you know, and will only <laughs> ever be Obama. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Always hit it, for me that because it's like it, that's just like that's the power of fucking frog legs and cornbread and shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Is we'll it like in, in Salina, Tennessee? This is the most popular restaurant in town. There's only like three restaurants in town, and t- and two of them you n- won't believe me probably, but two of them are fucking head to toe legit and pretty fire. The barbecue place and the soul food place. Shout out to those places, Del Hall One Stop and Ollie's. If you want to know the names, if you're ever in Salina, don't be. But if you happen to be taken against your will to Salina, I recommend eating at one of those two locations. But anyway, uh, and Ollie's, the soul food place, people fucking love it. People come from, people drive from like an hour away to go there and eat and stuff. It's always busy as hell. Parking lot's always packed. You got a big elephant out front. Nice. Blowing it. Yeah. It's the home of the elephant burger, all this shit. And displayed prominently on the wall in there is a picture of Barack Obama. Because, you know, you'll be utterly unsurprised to learn that Ollie's soul food joint is a black-owned business. Uh, what? Black-owned and operate. Yeah, right. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what happens whenever my buddy Skybone walks through the door there. <laughs> <laughs> it says a little like bell on the door you yeah. know what I mean? when you when you walk in it's actually those sirens at, at that's, fucking, <laughs> that's fucking great <laughs>
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. But anyway, uh, anyway, yeah, because, okay. So like, you know, the president over here, like we respect them or whatever, but we don't, we don't have to hold them in quite the amount of reverence as you do a, uh, you know, deity graced, uh, fucking King blood King. So yeah, I assume that over there, they're not just like, yeah, print them off just like in elementary schools when we'd have the poster of a frog, you know, uh, with one arm on a branch. And at the bottom, it says, hang in there, buddy. Things are getting better. Like there's it's probably going to have to be all painting with the goddamn frame. But like it's eight million motherfucking dollars. And like I keep going back to this thing that these dudes were telling me about when we were over there in Stratford-upon-Avon, where we wrote our book, Round Here and Over Yonder, available wherever you get your books. And I keep getting conflicted because I don't want to be this way because it goes against the fiber of my beliefs. You know what I mean? It makes me feel fucking like a pro-monarchist. But when those dudes were explaining to me, and then I then looked it up, and I was like, shit, that's actually true, about how much money the monarchy brings in for the U.K., because of tourism and blah, 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 and all this shit. I'm like, well, God damn it. You know, whatever. Like, they're still, I guess, per those stats and everything, better off than if they weren't doing shit. But I don't like the... Do you understand what I'm saying? It's very conflicting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, hell, I think it's kind of neat, I guess, that, that kings still exist. We're Americans, so we don't have to deal with them. Or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it... We just get to spectate. Uh, I do I think, love spectating. I think it's so stupid. The people, especially in this country, who are obsessed with them. Right. I mean, no offense to your mother, but or uh, our like, show I, in general. Yeah, but I, okay, but I mean, you know, anytime revere we ever talk them, about revere them. them. Anytime we ever talk about them, we're usually taking the piss out of them. That's I what I'm like, saying. But I'm obsessed, but well, that I'm, ain't the same thing. I'm kind of, I'm saying the word obsessed is not right because I'm in a way obsessed with them, but I don't revere them. Right. Uh, but, you know, I'm not, I'm okay with them still existing, I guess, from afar because it is, it's, it's interesting. Anytime I hear some other countries like still got a king, I'm like, damn, it's still kings out here. How about right. that? Please write uh, so in your thoughts on what we just said to putting on airs at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I looked up, I looked it up about the president pictures and it says it, it depends on district policy and it varies you know, mm -hmm. county to county, state to state. Some schools yep. put up pictures of the president and some don't. It's not a federal mandate. You don't have to, but any federal building like I used to work in, you got to have a picture of the president. For sure. Anyway, uh, Tennessee Williams, I thought we'd start with this. I, so before we even get started, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all. Um, his answer to this question is, is not satisfying. It's not upsetting, but like, this isn't leading to some big, wow, that's super hit moment. I just really like Dick Cavett's question. Uh, and I thought it was a good, Dick Cavett. good place to start. The main reason that I am doing this is just cause I thought it'd be interesting to, you know, hear what Tennessee, see Tennessee Williams and hear yeah. him speak, whatever. So this is him on Dick Cavett. This is, let's watch this one little exchange and we'll talk about him for a second. 
Is it being folky again? Williams, and you can go on and on and on. Eudora Welty, and thousands of great writers come out of the South. And not that many come out you of the You said playwriters come out of the South. Playwrights, fiction writers. writers. yes. Yeah, many playwrights come out of the South. Well, yeah. I'm trying to think of one. Another, another Southern playwright. Yeah. But just writing, it seems to be that it's in the soil or in the land or in the... Uh, in the water or something that people write better. People from the South talk better what? than people from the North. Hey, what now, Dick Cabot? Right about uh, in the South. Uh, yeah, I, people ask me that so often, but I can't explain it. Nobody can. No. Uh, what, 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 so, yeah, you know, I mean, I would have given the same answer if I was in Tennessee Williams' position. If somebody asked me, I would have been like, hell, I don't know. But like, but you Dick would Cabot think that he would have. There, though. <laughs> yeah, Dick Cavett was spitting like a motherfucker, but you would think that Tennessee Williams, because this wasn't early in his career, you would kind of think that he would have an answer locked and loaded for that. It might be one of those questions that's like always annoyed him or something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because he's gotten it so much. I don't know. But like, uh, but I, I'm going to circle back to Tennessee Williams in a minute. But Dick Cavett there, the he's writer thing, everybody knows that. In Sal, it's like the only two professions really that i can think of and i guess comedian is kind of one of them sort of but on a much not really there's like notable southern comedians or whatever us not among the present company excluded but like uh the only two real professions where you're allowed to have a southern accent and it's like oh i bet he hits at that job is lawyer and writer i think yeah um, rock and roll maybe too which is interesting well yeah if you don't yeah. like like country music artists whatever obviously yeah. but uh but like smart people stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yes. Okay. Fair. Like writers are smart, lawyers are smart. Yep. And they writers and lawyers are both still allowed to be southern, and people will still think not only think they're smart, but think like, oh, you better watch out for this motherfucker. I bet he goes yeah. hard. Like if you, yeah. you know, if you hear a lawyer with a southern accent, you're like, I don't want no part of that smoke. Like, and, and, and in the courtroom, it really and, depends on the specific southern accent. Because I would also throw in professor there if it was like a Savannah accent, you know. Yeah, like an American history professor who yeah. talks like that or something. So, but but Dick Cavett also said though he was giving us a little too much shine. I thought because mm -hmm. the writer thing, yeah, everybody knows that and it's well earned and deserved. But he said to people in the South, "Talk better." And I was yeah. like, "What? Since when was this? Before we transitioned into like sounding and exclusively like cartoon possums? Because you know what I mean? Like we, because we did used to have that like, I mean, aristocratic." But see, that's the when uh, the debutants was talking like this and all that. Mm -hmm. Like, was the people like me who cleaned their shitters out? Did they still sound like me or even dumber? You know what I mean? Did like the lowly, dumb, fucking sharecropper peasants back then? They didn't talk like that, did they? Or, well, or I would say that Dick Cavett's entire uh, exposure to the Southern accent. Would be yeah, him. gone with the wind. <laughs> I was going to suggest gone with the wind or in media. And like this was this kind of was like, you know, who knows if deliverance had come out at the time of this right. interview? I don't know. Probably like, it had to be around then. He haul, I bet, was yeah, on already. Sure. But like or Dick Cavett talking to us. He only talked to esteemed people. So he would talk to an esteemed person from the South and they would sound, you know, like that or whatever. That's the only thing I can think of is like that there weren't as many local news station clips going viral where a redneck's talking about staying in his trailer during a goddamn tornado. And he right. exclusively heard 
like you said, the Scarlett O'Hara type, the 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 Clark Gable type in in Gone with the Wind or whatever. So that's my only thought. Because yeah, so uh, I know that I know this ain't cool or whatever, but you know why I wanted to look up an interview with Tennessee Williams writer. What I was really hoping for. You wanted to see if he talked about some gay shit. I wanted to see. If he talked like this, if he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 right? yeah, we all, yeah. we are pretty good riders down in the South now, Dick Cavett, yeah. you know, like that's why like, yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't surprised I was surprised that he didn't, but I was like, if he had to talk like that, how amazing would that have been? Since this kind of come up on the show recently. <laughs> in my brain, when I've thought about Tennessee Williams talking, it's always been that. And yeah. I'm, I'm ashamed, but like, it has always been that like your uncle Tim, but up a little bit. Right, so Tennessee Williams was fucking born and raised in Mississippi, not just Mississippi, but a goddamn Episcopalian church in Mississippi. That's where he was raised at. Um, And his daddy named Cornelius Coffin, Coffin, like you get buried in. Cornelius Coffin Williams, otherwise known as C.C.C.C. Williams, was a drunk and uh trav as you as you were and a traveling shoe salesman, right? That's a little slice of Americana right there. I can't decide if I think being a traveling shoe salesman in Mississippi in the twenties and teens and twenties would be like business is a booming or right. it's just the worst market on earth. Has picture this guy walking around and yeah, y'all got shoes? What shoes? You know, whatever. Right. It's like, yeah, you ain't gonna believe this shit. Look at this. Like he Tennessee Williams dad introduced shoes to Mississippi. Right. Or at least parts I, of it, you know, they still have to spread think, everywhere in Mississippi, as I understand. You'd think because here's how the here's how you decide to be a shoe salesman in Mississippi. You're walking around, you go, God damn, ain't nobody wearing shoes. And right. so you're like, I've, there's a demand here. But then you find out that that's by choice and they didn't want those shoes. Yeah, his daddy was a an East Tennessee hillbilly who was, you know, like I said, drunk and violent and, you know, would uh, tune you up here and there. Uh, and his mama, him, his brother, his sister. When he was a kid, he got uh, diphtheria. I don't know if diphtheria is still kicking. Uh, that's why they time, named him that. Back. That's It'll why they named back. him that. They was getting ready to name him. They said, ooh, Charles Coffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Tennessee had the dip theory. Oh, my bad, my bad. We, by the way, and I haven't said yet, but I, pre- presumably his his birth name is Thomas Lanier Williams. Um, uh, he, he actually chose the name Tennessee for himself as like, you know, a pen name, a pseudonym or whatever, uh, a, you know, nom de plume, a nom de plume. And he picked it as an homage and acknowledgement of his Southern accent and Southern roots. It hits for me cause I'm a Tennessee guy and he's from Mississippi and it's like, I want people to know I'm from the South, but not Mississippi though, I guess, right. you know, like why not Mississippi Williams? I feel like Don't Tennessee Williams, I, but it's like. I think you only think that because he became an icon and everybody's, you know what I mean? I feel like if he had picked Mississippi Williams, you know, I think it would have played just as fine. I'm glad he didn't. I'm just saying. What did you you say he had again? Diphtheria. I studied that in high school. Really? Diphtheria. Diphtheria. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) I forgot about the uh at the end. It was uh, diphtheria. <laughs> I didn't know you had that one, but that hooks. It sure do, just in case. It might be diphtheria. Uh, I think it's it, diphtheria. I, mean, diph- I think it is too, but it's got an H in between the P and the T, which I never noticed before. But anyway, 
I don't know if it's still out there kicking diphtheria. It was, it, it was a whole, it was a bear there for a while. You had diphtheria and you know, it was back when people got rickets and polio <laughs> scabies and of course yeah. polio and all kinds of wild shit. We really have done some serious work on diseases, which we are currently as a society trying very hard to unravel. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, we were hitting at it for a while, but anyway, he got diphtheria when he was a kid, which damn near killed him. And it made him, uh, you know, a bit gay. of a weak he, he, yeah, yeah, turned him gay. <laughs> yeah because you know but it did like it weakened him he was like a he was sickly he was a right. sickly kid yeah and his his east tennessee hillbilly drunk ass daddy that did not hit for him uh right. at all you know he found him to be pretty worthless and effeminate um wow and so they had and you know but he he went to town on tennessee's mama all the time too so she kind of hated him and you know his daddy sort of didn't hit for anybody uh other than his mom uh, on, uh he hit his mom yeah yes. but he didn't he didn't hit for his mom though but I they when again. he as a kid he moved to uh they moved to St. Louis cuz his dad got a job at the International Shoe Company right which i didn't know that you know they had that St. in St. Louis, Louis Williams that would have hit too yeah, St. Louis Williams. That is that is pretty cool. I, I said on Well Read the other day when it was brought up, Drew asked about the Glass Menagerie, and I gave a little synopsis of it, and I said they were in a New York apartment. That's not true. It's in a St. Louis apartment. But, like, you know, his plays were huge on Broadway and stuff, right. and it's, like, about a shut-in in a city in an apartment. I, it just always felt like you, your mind don't go to St. Louis, in my opinion. No, of course but not. Anyway. But for him, that was the big city because he was from the goddamn Delta in Mississippi. <sighs> Yeah, so I mentioned he had a little sister, uh, Rose. Um, I I don't know how prevalent this was, uh, uh, more than you would hope it would be, because we talked recently about, uh, holy shit, the Kennedy girl, her name was Rose too, right? Rosemary. Rosemary. Well, same exact thing happened to Rose Lobotomy. Williams, Tennessee's sister. Yeah, she had mental problems. I think her, she had more legitimate mental problems than rosemary kennedy did but like she had mental pressure she was troubled she was a troubled girl whatever for you and then and then they fucking whipped her brain up with a stick when she was about 18 she lived the rest of her life in a home Jesus. tennessee took care of her though for the rest of her life and visited her frequently you know he loved his sister dearly and that none of that was none of that was his doing but uh yeah so you know i don't know how they was just scrambling women's Dude, brains back then you know i saw I saw a video the other day on Instagram of this doctor, like a modern day doctor who was like, he was talking over some old videos of lobotomy patients and stuff like that. And he was making the uh, argument for the fact that like, in theory, they, sometimes it worked out and he would show these videos of like someone before the lobotomy and someone after a successful one were like, they were very normal. They just weren't fidgety as much or whatever. And he's like, the right. problem was, is that like, they just got greedy. <laughs> they just kept sawing their brain off. It's like, just stop. He would show these music, go, just stop right there. Just stop right there. And they're fucking fine. Well, I remember you sent me a clip. It did not have a, maybe I just didn't turn the volume on. Was that that clip you sent me? Cause you sent me maybe. a clip of old lobotomy footage before and after, but I, yeah. I didn't hear a doctor talking, but maybe I just didn't it, turn it was the sound that, on. It was that clip he was talking over. Oh, okay, it was a separate right. one. I just saw the clip, lobotomy footage before and after, and you sent it to me, and I opened it expecting, like, God, this is going to be hard to watch and fucked up. And it's not like yeah. it was easy to watch, but I watched it, and I texted you immediately, and I was like, dude, some of those kind of make yeah. it seem like lobotomies hit. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I some, think like some, some of them worked out. Some of the before and after, 
it seemed like it helped. Well, like, like they I, you wouldn't know. have kept doing them if all of them ended up like the two Rosemary's, probably. Right. You know what I mean? But like, right. But it, but it is one of those things where it's like oh, the risk reward on this. I don't know. So Tennessee went first. He ended up going to like three or four different colleges, kept dropping out and shit. The first one he went to was Mizzou, University of Missouri in Columbia. Uh, and he wrote a bunch of stuff there, wrote plays, essay stories, and put them in writing contests, all this stuff. It didn't get much play. He got like an honorable mention in a college writing competition. He was the first freshman to ever do so, but still, like he wasn't setting the woods on fire. He was in a fraternity in Missouri. Uh, and it didn't mm -hmm. go great <laughs> on account of oh, everything about yeah. him, I guess. Uh, right. So he struggled, and uh, he failed some military training course, and his drunk daddy pulled him out of college, which I, you know, I mean, I, at, you're fucking 19, 19 or 20 at that point, right? Uh, right, daddy yeah. Fuck off. But I guess maybe he was paying for it. I don't know. But anyway, he pulled him out of college and Big made him money. get a job. What'd you say? Big shoe money. Yeah, well, he made him get a job in the shoe game, right? Okay. He was like, "Fuck it, you ain't you ain't hitting. Come come sit at the shoe shop, at the shoe store, the shoe desk, whatever." He, you know, not it, a bad move for a man of Tennessee's disposition. I've seen several of his kind in the shoe business, you know. Yeah, well, he fucking hated it. Absolutely, right, he hated it. it. Yeah, it was a nine to five job, and the routine of it drove him insane. He apparently during this time, and this is when like you're talking earlier about how hard me and you work appreciate that but i read shit like this and i'm like goddamn so he was working oh, dude, we're not coal all, miners he was working all day full-time job real job and when he would go home he'd take coffee and cigarettes and go straight to his room right and just start typing because he still lived with his mom at this point and this right. is like his mother's account of it he'd go upstairs to his room with his typewriter coffee and cigarettes and she said she could hear the typewriter going just literally just all night long. Said sometimes she'd go up there to wake him up for work and he'd be on the bed asleep in his clothes, like passed out working at the typewriter and shit. Right. And it's like, I ain't got it like that, dog. <laughs> well, we did when we were younger, though, because like when I mean, I'm not again, we're not coal miners and I'm not suggesting that our lives could possibly be as hard as someone in the 1920s. But like before we made it in comedy, now you were working at the DOE. I was working fucking construction and doing all this shit. And then I would go do shows at night and write my shit. So like, I I'm saying, I understand the whole work nine to five and then you got to do your side hustle. That being said, it ain't been like that for me for going on 10 fucking years. So now if I had to do it no, fuck no. But when I was 19, you know, I had the energy. None of the stuff he was writing was working though. It wasn't hitting. He would sell, sell a story here, a story there to some magazine or something, but nothing was really breaking through. So it wasn't really working out. And when he was 24 years old, he had a nervous breakdown, lost yep. that shoe job, pissed his daddy off real big. Uh, his dad beat him ever? I mean, it just says he was like, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, well, I don't know how bad, but yeah, you know, he, 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 he was one to throw hands, the elder Williams. And, uh, did Tennessee try to go back to college? He went to Washington University in St. Louis, who uh, years later would uh, heavily recruit your boy to no avail. Suck on that, Washington University football? in St. Louis. No, academically, <laughs> football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, anyway, he wrote a play there, um, which they put on. And, you know, again, it was all right, but it didn't go that well. Then he transferred to Iowa, Hawkeyes. <laughs> Hey, go Hawkeyes. Uh, he finally gra got graduated from Iowa with a BA in English in August of 1938. He went to New York I'm City, studied drama. That's where he fell in love with theater, right? And uh, and he was like, plays, 
that's going to be the deal, right? Yeah. Um, but he, again, he just wasn't hitting. He bounced around. He got like a, he got a grant, some big grant money from the Rockefeller family. I guess they used mm-hmm. to do artistic grants to like write and put on a play. And he did. And Back when the rich hit. used to kind of hit. Right. And he did. And it didn't hit for nobody. Uh, said play. <laughs> like it was a failure. So after that, he moved to Nolens, um, to work at the WPA, which was a New Deal government agency thing. So he lived in New Orleans for a while. And uh, that play that I said he wrote that didn't hit, somebody in Hollywood saw it. And was like, this guy's all right. So then he got a contract with MGM Studio for $250 wow. a week. So that's pretty cool. It's, it's always wild. It's like, when does this shit happen? Does this shit still happen? You know? I like mean, I just every now and then, it just seems like it always happened because you exclusively hear about the successes. You know, right, exactly. It's confirmation, survivorship, survivorship bias. bias. Yeah, the name the of that. Yeah, right. Things. Yeah. Anyway, but nothing really came of that either. Nothing came of pretty much anything he was ever doing in his twenties. He didn't hit at all in his twenties, but he was writing the whole time. But when he was thirty-three, he he finished the Glass Menagerie, uh, which you know was going to be produced in in New York on Broadway, directed by Elia Kazan. Right. Oh yeah. Huge Hollywood film director. Yeah. Directed by Elia Kazan and starring. Oh wait, no, no, no. That's the Glass Menagerie. Sorry. Um, Elia Kazan then also directed, I believe, his follow up to the Glass Menagerie, which was A Streetcar Named Desire. Right. Marlon Brando. So he had he starring a then unknown actor named Marlon Brando. So A Streetcar Named Desire, Tennessee Williams Streetcar Named Desire, kind of launched the career of Marlon Brando, which is wild to think about because it's Who- like. Well, how fickle everything is in this yeah. game. Like, he if Tennessee goat. Williams had died as a child, yeah. right? Like, what would the Godfather have looked like? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and Brando might have ended up being Brando either way, maybe, but maybe. maybe not. Like, if The Streetcar Named Desire had never been written and he'd never been that role, it, he might have been fucking, you know, selling oranges or whatever for, you know, the rest of his adulthood and some <laughs> other guy would have played yeah. the godfather or because whatever maybe the godfather never even gets made i mean who knows that kind of butterfly effect shit is always wild to me to think about well um i was gonna say <sighs> i don't know if this came up in your research but i'm and i could be wrong but i'm fairly certain that when they went to cast the movie streetcar named desire they didn't want to use marlon brando because they didn't want to use people from the stage play because they were like this is a completely different thing and like tennessee williams behind the scenes fought for him so like right. even more even more reason to support everything that you just said you know yeah so now he's on a roll after glass menagerie and streetcar named desire and then the 40s and 50s was late 40 Starting in 44 when Glass Menagerie came out and then through the 50s, he was on a fucking roll. He had Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, uh, The Rose Tattoo, Orpheus Descending, Night of the Iguana, Sweet Bird of Youth, and Summer and Smoke, all of which were big successes on Broadway, right? And he was crushing. During this time, he gains an affinity for uh, hitting, as we call it, getting real drunk and drugged up, as it were. He probably had always been doing this, but, you know, you start hitting in Broadway and stuff, you're going to get drunker, right? That's just yeah, how it goes. Yeah, money. Right. And uh, also he had, I said, I didn't mention this earlier, but like when he was in like college and in fraternity and stuff, he like tried to be straight, you know, yeah, that yeah. probably happened a lot back then. You had didn't to take, dude. you wouldn't yeah, right. yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Didn't take now he's in Broadway and he's hitting and he's, he's still not openly gay. Cause again, you couldn't be, but like he found his people, he had, he found his people, but he also had a 
a do his his do his partner, you know, his business and writing partner, who was really, of course, his lover, Frank Merlot, and they were like inseparable. Through all that period of success, him and his and his his man Frank were together through all of it, right? Forties, fifties, he's crushing. Frank's with him. He's gay. He's in New York. Things hit. Career's on fire. He's doing drugs and boozing, but he's hitting, so that's fine. He's just partying, having a good time. Yeah, he's eccentric. In the 1960s, Frank, his man, dies of cancer mm-hmm. in 1963. His plays start bombing. And when they Ooh. start bombing, they don't stop. He right. had like, he actually never had a hit play again after that. Really? So well, wild mu- to think about. Right. Like, his muse was like, gone. Right. And so, but he kept writing them and they kept failing. So now he's drinking wow. and now it's sad. Right. Like, you know, that's how it goes. It's like, if you're, yeah. You know, if you're doing well and you're fucking going hard on the on the extracurriculars, uh, drugs and booze, then it's like hell yeah. You know, what an era, right? Mm-hmm. You just you just live, you know, living like a rock star, or whatever. But like when 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 things start to spiral and you're doing the exact same things, it's like now it's you know upsetting and unfortunate. Yeah, we only call people alcoholics who upset us. Like if someone's a really fun drunk, no one gives a shit if that guy reels it in. You know what I mean? Yeah, so um so he, you know, he continued to to spiral into alcoholism and stuff. And that's the thing I was going to say is like he had like real real bad depression. He like wouldn't leave, you know, he'd lock himself up in a dark room, but he was still taking drugs and all this shit. At one point he was like uh he right after Frank died, he had a period of quote near catatonic depression. So yeah. like can't you move. know basically couldn't move right and the people around him were like you know we need that next play junior whatever they call in <laughs> yeah. they call in this guy uh dr max jacobson who apparently this was the this dude was the original actual dr feelgood heard the wow. term dr feelgood Doc, max jacobson i guess was the first dr feelgood the origin of that so they called dr feelgood it's like this guy's so sad he can't get out of the bed He's like, I got just the thing, you know, just Shoot the ticket. Shoot him up Guess with cocaine. Absolutely, <laughs> right? I mean, not cocaine, but a shitload of amphetamines, right? right. And that's, a, that's exactly what he gave him. And in Tennessee, we was like, well, now I can't sleep. And he's like, don't you worry, fret not. Here's a shitload of a hardcore sedative. You just take this at the end of the day, right? The sedative was called Secanol. It's not mm. around anymore. Boy, they used to have some serious hits back in the day. I right? tell you what, buddy, you just read the label on a goddamn bottle of children's cold medicine, and I'm like, "Fuck me, that's Saturday night in Tunica." Yeah, but it's just, it's also just so wild. It's, I know this still happens in Hollywood and shit. I know it still does, but I feel like it's less so. But like back then, it's like you know, like he was under Can a doctor's play? orders, yeah. a doctor's orders to be strung the fuck out yeah. on speed all goddamn day and then knock himself out cold with a yep. fucking horse sedative every night or whatever. And it's like, he's got a prescription for that. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Judy Garland, man, they did that shit to her too. They'd have a doctor come on set and fucking shoot her ass up. It's wild. Yeah. And then he, as he got older, string of failures, you know, I mean, it's all kind of a bummer because he never, like I said, he never really got it back together professionally and he kept trying and none of them ever really worked. And he had a lot of problems getting older because, you know, he was like, I don't hit no more. Nobody wants to fuck my butt no more. You know, that type yeah. of thing. <laughs> oh, he could uh, probably still find someone because I'm sure that he, oh, he was did. still making he money from the movies, he, you know. He did. 
he did. There was particularly a Vietnam vet, uh, an aspiring writer who was like 23 years old, guy guy named Robert Carroll. What side right? of the war did he fight? Okay, Robert Carroll. Okay. Yeah, and uh, Tennessee, start, that became his boy toy, right? Because he is Tennessee Williams. He's rich and famous, whatever else. But, you know, like this dude, this kid, this little whippersnapper was kind of a piece of shit who was using him and whatnot. Of course. So, like, that wasn't good either, right? And finally, right. in 1983, he was found dead at the age of 71 in his suite at the Hotel Elysier in New York City. They first, the medical examiner first reported that he had choked to death from inhaling the plastic cap of a, off a bottle of eye drops. Oh, my God. I was like, what the fuck? Apparently, the report was later corrected to state that he had been using that cap to ingest barbiturates. Yeah. So measuring it into the cap, I guess, is what and he was doing. Maybe squirting it into his mouth or snorting it out of it or something. Or yeah, I don't, I don't know. see how I could see pouring the drug into the cap, but then you just then do you, a little shot of it or whatever. Right. right? But he dropped like, it. Throw that in your mouth, bro. If you're that, if you're fucked up enough to like let the whole thing fall all the way down well, your throat, goddamn. But the thing he was using though. The drug he was using in particular was Secanol, that mm -hmm. sedative that Dr. Feelgood had prescribed him years before. It was a fatal, a toxic level of that is uh, is what actually killed him. Well, I got to tell you. Um, also, Secanol, that drug, just so you know real quick, that drug is the most frequently used drug in doctor-assisted suicide. <laughs> so, well, so it's like, yeah, not not one to be fucked with, evidently, you know. Well, I got to tell you, though, it sucks that he died the way he did, but, like, 71's a ripe old age for a depressed, failed writer who spent m the back half of his life doing fucking drugs and being sad because, like, the way you're describing him, because all, all that stuff, like, his string of hits ran out when he was, like, probably, what, 40, 50, something like that? He hit in 45. He was 33 already. He didn't hit till he was 33. He hit at 33, and then he hit all the way through the 50s to the 60s. That was about 15 years. He, he was close to 50. He was close right. to 51, 52 when he fell off. Started, 20, started to fall off. 22 years of being insanely depressed and on the most insane amounts of any drug possible. It, like, it's amazing that he didn't already OD or... I'm not trying to be grim, fucking kill himself. Cause that when an artist like, dude, I can't I genuinely can't imagine. Like if I went through a 22 year slump now, if they were making movies out of my old shit and I had money, I could deal with it a little bit better, but it still wears on a man. For sure. And one little uh, postscript, I thought this was fucked up. Well, a couple of postscripts, one of them's fucked up. One of them's cool to me. Uh, the first one is fucked up is, he had a will when he died, and in his will, it explicitly stated that his desire was to be buried at sea mm -hmm. um, in as close as possible to the exact geographic point where American poet Hart Crane. Do you know who Hart Crane is? Not a, not a, I'm not familiar with Hart Crane. Me neither, but apparently he was an American poet who I guess was one of Tennessee Williams' favorites. Um, uh and this this poet Hart Crane, he jumped off a boat and killed himself, right? Okay. And Tennessee Williams wanted to be buried at sea where that dude killed himself, right? Morbid, but laid out explicitly. His brother Dakin, <laughs> charged with his estate, immediately disregarded that and just buried him by his mama in a cemetery in St. Louis. Right? What a dick! Which, I know, not cool in my not opinion. Not cool at all. Tennessee left most of his money, which was sizable, 
I thought this was cool. I had no idea of this. He went to three different colleges, and this wasn't one of them, but he left most of his money to the University of the South in Sewanee, Tennessee. Yeah. Often referred to as just Sewanee. Um, Shout out Sean Bridgers. The bulk of it had to remain in trust for his sister, Rose, Mm -hmm. the mush brain, um, to to provide for her care. And, And when she died, then the college got it, and that's what happened. She lived in 1996 after she died. Sewanee got about seven million dollars, which they used to fund a creative writing program at the university. Obviously, it's got a massive legacy. There's Tennessee Williams monuments and plaques in almost every city he ever lived in. He lived in a bunch of cities all around the world. He was always restless. He had wanderlust. He said he couldn't stay in one place for any any amount of time, really. He lived in pretty much any hidden city you can imagine. He lived there and they've commemorated his, you know, his time there. Um, he's not, you know. Many halls of fame, walks of fame, won Pulitzer Prizes. You know, he's considered to be one of the three great American playwrights. So pretty good for a boy from the Mississippi mud, I'd say. Especially would, one who was gay in the fucking 20s and shit. So I would also say, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, apparently uh, you, him, Eugene O'Neill, him, Eugene O'Neill and Arthur Miller yeah. are considered to be the triumvirate. Arthur Miller, of, Death uh, of a Salesman. Of American playwrights. Death of a Salesman, A Streetcar Named Desire, and Eugene O'Neill's Long Day's Journey into Night. There you go. Are often named as, you know, the three best plays <laughs> ever written, at least in this in this country, anyway. So there you have it. Well, how about that? Yep, Tennessee um, Williams, go balls. Go right. balls. Yeah, I gotta read some of these plays. Well, hey, let's uh, shift gears hard. Um, Let's do it. Uh, Akon. Akon. uh, I will be back to talk about Akon right after this. This here episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex and wieners and stuff. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to get down anytime, any damn time, day or night? I sure do. I ain't like that anymore, right? Now, now you need some some alone time to get ready for some together time. If you just had some, you know what I'm saying. But now you ain't got to worry about that because you can increase your performance and get all that extra confidence back in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or you can be ready whenever an opportunity pops up. The process is simple. You just sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the U.S. of A, prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package. Cho, tell us about your package. Well, I tell you what, I, I won't go too far into detail on my package, but a lot of people say, Corey, you've used Blue Chew. Does it work? And I'm like, does it work? It makes my dick harder than changing the channel when Shawshank is on. Hell yeah, it works. Ooh. I love it. I love that it comes in a discreet package. That's my favorite part. I don't have to go to the pharmacy because as I've told y'all a bunch, I went to school with the girl at the pharmacy and I don't need her knowing my business. Now, here's the deal. You might be thinking, okay, but like, my weenie does okay. Do I need this? Here's the deal. Your weenie might do okay, but is okay really good enough? You can have a guaranteed stiffy whenever it's time to get down, baby. It's absolutely fantastic. My wife's favorite day of the month is when that little white envelope shows up because she knows it's about to go down. Here's the deal. 
Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free. That can't be right. No, it is absolutely free. When you use our promo code POA at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That is $5 for a guaranteed stiffy. That's BlueChew.com promo code POA to receive your first month for free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast and getting us a guaranteed way to use our wiener. Skew! DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. A lot of cool ones coming up. We got uh, you got the Texans plus nine and a half uh, over the Ravens. You got uh, the Packers are getting nine and a half points against uh, the 49ers. And by God, the Buccaneers coming off hot are getting six and a half points over the Detroit Lions. Trey, tell them how they can put in all this stuff and make some money. What you got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code POA. New customers can bet just five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Pretty sweet. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook when you use the code POA. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 8878-89777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, Boyd in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG dot com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources y'all step into 2024 with confidence thanks to manscape where resolutions are met and hairs are neatly kept as the new year approaches why not make self-improvement a breeze by keeping your body well groomed introducing manscapes performance package performance package 5.0 the ultimate all-inclusive kit designed to help you feel clean cut and confident as you ort Featuring the Powerhouse Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, this next-gen trimmer ensures precision and ease when tackling your toughest hairs. So, kick off 2024 with a trim above the rest and use code POA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Y'all, I've been extolling the virtues of Manscaped for a long time. I love the lawnmower. Absolutely love it. I love their hedge trimmer. But honestly, the most important part to me is the ball deodorant and the toners and all that stuff because, you know, when you get out the shower in about five minutes, you go right back to smelling like balls and Manscaped helps me stay fresh. But their beard trimmer, sincerely, greatest thing ever because I've got a setting on there. I don't have to have guards. I just clickety-clack, boom, beard. Boom hair, boom neck. There we go. It's wonderful stuff. Trey, tell them all about the Performance Package 5.0. The Performance Package 5.0 Ultra is here, and let me tell you, it's got futuristic tendencies. Included in this bundle is the brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, the Weed Whacker 2.0 Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, and the essential aftercare products like the Crop Soother Ball Aftershave Lotion and Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant and two 
Free gifts. Their fifth-generation lawnmower features two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. Did we mention that it's waterproof, too? Because it is. Manscaped also threw in two free gifts, the Boxers 2.0 and the Shed 2.0 toiletry bag. Resolutions may come and go, but a well-groomed you is here to stay with Manscaped's latest and greatest. Start the new year right, because when you look good, you feel good. Manscaped, helping you sculpt the best version of yourself for the year ahead. New year, new you, definitely a new trimmer. Manscaped's got your grooming resolutions covered. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code POA at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code POA. Happy New Year to your balls. Let's do it. Uh, pop culture with paparazzo. Paparazzi, cho, paparazzi. What was it? What we call you? Uh, pap- paparazzo. I don't think we did though, but that's what we should have. That's what we call yeah, it. Paparacho, henceforth. Paparacho. Which sounds like a noodle. Yeah. Uh, anyway, on Akon, I, I'm looking forward to this because I've heard it's weird that I haven't looked further into it because I've just heard wild ass shit yeah. about Akon every now and then over the years. You know, he was like a a pretty successful, but not like not like superstar icon status, but like pretty damn successful guy in the world of hip hop and R and B in the 2000s, which was when we were in our 20s. So you know, icon certainly hit for me. Uh, and but then vanished mostly, except he didn't. I guess he been over there in Africa making money and being a king or some shit like yeah. that. It's, it's wild, right? Like yeah, it's wild. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. Well, before we get started on Akon, I would like to play a game that I've made up uh, with you. And this game is called Akon or Conway. And it is where you have to decide whether this quote came from Akon or Conway Twitty. Are you ready to play, Uh, Trey? uh, Yeah. Okay. Starting out, this quote. You learn the most from life's hardest knocks. Conway. That is Conway. There you go. Thank you. Point on the board for Trey. Um, Next one. Fads are the kiss of death. When the fad goes away, you go with it. Icon. That is Conway Twitty. Shit. Yeah, that is is Conway Twitty. All right. Um, It felt like it applied to Icon to me. I know. know? The fad thing. Yeah, I know. That's why I put it on there. I'm a polygamist. I can afford to have as many wives as I can afford to have. All Africans believe in it. My dad has four wives. I mean, I'm going to go with Akon. Yeah, that's Akon. Yeah, Yeah, that's Akon. That would have been a hell of a twist there. I know, I know, right? Okay, um, whatever obstacle comes your way, you got to be prepared to jump over it. And I think that's what separates the legends from the regular artists. It's all in how you manage that success and how you deal with the controversy. I mean, I don't know. That could be either one of them. I'll say Akon. It is Akon. All right. Okay. If you here's another one. If you put that straight jacket on me, I'm going to pull your endocrine system out of your body. Damn it. That could be both of them too, I feel like, but I'll okay shit. Conway. Uh that's actually Gary Busey. I forgot to mention that there's a couple <laughs> Gary Busey quotes in here. That's on me. That's my fault. Yeah. Um, okay. If I had known Gary Busey was an option, that would have been a that would have been a no brainer right there. Of course. Uh, Eminem is the greatest ever. Akon. 
Conway Twitty about snacks. Uh, God damn it. That ain't real. I'm, you made that <laughs> no, okay. it's not real. I made it up. Okay. Uh, five parts of my brain contain alien power. Whatever I do or say cannot be denied on the intergalactic highway of existence. Akon? Gary Busey. One okay. more time. Um, right. Okay, this is a quote from childhood. What I remember the most, really, was just running wild there, barefooted, swimming in dirty lakes, and selling fruit. Conway. Nope, that is Akon. I did leave off the part of the quote where he says, picking mango trees, hoping not to get caught because they don't take kindly to thieves in Africa. But that first part does sound yeah. like it could be uh, either one. Okay. The moment artists can just do what they love, excuse me, the moment artists can just do what they love to do, then music will go right back to where it used to be. I mean, back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, Conway? Akon. God damn it. You know the most dangerous thing in the water? A shark fart. Akon? Busey. God damn it. <laughs> this is going better than I thought it was going to go. Um, I let my eyes deceive me from the start. They told me I wanted her more than I wanted you. Guess my eyes were bigger than my heart. Conway. That is Conway. Good job, Trey. Um, a good way to lose weight is to put salt on your ass and go to a petting zoo. But stay away from goats because I've seen them fornicate with a mailbox. Gary Busey. That is Gary Busey. Okay. okay. Um, I consider myself a Texan. I grew up in Texas and Oklahoma. Conway. Gary Busey. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. One more. Uh, faith gives me the ability to rise above anything because what is true in the spiritual realm is forever true. It cannot be denied. Akon. No, Gary Busey, surprisingly. It was a tame quote from Gary. Okay, one, okay, I said that was the last one. One more. Um, there's a woman in Arkansas that's such a bad cook that a swarm of flies got together and repaired her screen door. Conway. Gary Busey! All right. <laughs> Trey, uh, I, don't, I didn't keep up with your points, but in my opinion, we all won. All righty. Okay, so Akon. All right, so here's a couple things that uh, I, I thought would be interesting to talk about at first um, was just some things that I heard Akon say on his episode of Club Shay Shay. Um, it was not as crazy of an episode as Cat Williams, but, it, you know, it had some uh, it had some stuff in there. So Locked Up was like Akon's biggest, like his first big mm -hmm. hit, we all remember, right? right. Well, be before Locked Up became a hit, like he was nobody and he would tour around performing in prisons doing this song because he wanted to cultivate like a reputation for being that or whatever. And so he's like a lot <laughs> of it's funny to make. Okay. Cause the chorus of that song got locked up. It won't let me out. Right. Yeah. Like he went into a, to prisons, sang that song and then they let him out. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Singing in front of all these prisoners, they won't let me out. And he's like, "All right, I'm out of here." Peace, and then guys. He he he, he leaves. Yeah. Right. He goes back out to the to the fucking you know the car or whatnot while they still got to sit in there. So that makes it funny to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, he helps. So before all this is going on, 
he helped start a concert series at Rikers Island. Like he went to Rikers Island and he was like, Hey, listen, you know, I want to do a thing where like I perform for the prisoners and stuff, you know, like I'll take care of everything. And they were like, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, it became so popular that like it kept going, but the song locked up was so popular that he sent it to the radio and everybody was like, everybody in New York was like, man, fuck this. I don't really like it or whatever. But what happened was he got so popular in that prison and a couple other prisons that the prisoners would call their parents, right? And then have their parents put them on a three-way call with the radio station and the prisoners would request that song. And that happened so many times that they were like, well, goddamn, this might be a thing. And then yada, yada, it became a thing. And that was all from like a grassroots Akon situation. Damn. Never do that. This is another crazy thing about how his business mind works. Um, because, dude, his business mind, wild, you know, which, like, that's not uncommon with a lot of rappers. Like, a lot of rappers, you'll see, like, Chameleonaire, for instance. Chameleonaire hadn't had a hit in a very long time, but, like, he's worth more money than most of the dudes doing it right now because he's got such a good business acumen. Um, but Akon noticed early in his career that you would work really hard to put out a single, right? And that single, whether it be on a CD or a tape or whatever, would cost people would, could buy it for a dollar ninety nine, and these were four minute long singles. But he noticed that ringtones were being sold for four ninety nine, and they were fifteen seconds long. So he was like, "Hold on, I'm on the wrong side of this shit." So he based his whole approach to song making based on what would hit as a ringtone. So he would start with the ringtone first and then build the entire song around it, making sure that like, I've got to get all the hits into 15 seconds and make things exclusively that people would want banging out of their Nokia phone. I mean, that's wild as hell. That's like, you know, that's like some quibby shit, except it yeah. hit. It, it worked. Right. Um, right. And it's like, it sounds so dated now, but in the time he was doing it, it was, you know, good move. But I, but I didn't know. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess they would. Why wouldn't they get a cut of the, right. So he, the artist gets a cut either way of the sale of a CD or of the sale of a ringtone. Right. But there's more money in ringtones. There was for a single they at were least. huge at the time. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I guess his whole thing would be like, I don't even have to put out a full album to make a full album's worth of money because I'll sell the single, but also like um, if a million people get my ringtone, fucking ka-ching, ka-ching. Um, he also said something that I didn't agree with. He said that Chris Brown had the potential to be as big as Michael Jackson. He was just surrounded by a lot of idiots. And I was like, well, the people he was surrounded by didn't punch Rihanna in the face. You know what I mean? Dude, Chris Brown must like got done. I don't know. I, I yeah, either he is that good. or like I, it, right, but not on MJ's level, but like dude, of he's fucking beloved by yeah. like his peers and shit. Nothing sticks to him. He's yeah. had multi, obviously the Rihanna, Rihanna one's the most famous, but that's not the only one, dude. He's done really awful shit and it's come out publicly on multiple occasions and none of it ever touches him. And he remains this huge superstar and everybody else just gushes over him. Fucking yeah. Lizzo before she had her own scandals, miss positivity and everybody hits and treat everybody good or whatever. She said that, you know, Chris Brown was like her favorite artist and favorite human being on planet earth and all this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just, I, wow. I, I just don't get it. Like, I mean, I, he's fine. Like, could, you know what I mean? Like musically he's fine, but like, he don't hit that hard. And right. find somebody else that, 
hits his heart. His, I mean, he hits pretty hard at like with it. Well, no, he don't hit that hard either way, you know, with his fist right. or musically. Um, it's just that he always focuses on women in both regards, I guess. But that, that's the other part of it too. He's got all these chick fans out there that be up in the comments. Like, you know, he could punch me. You can bite my eye anytime. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Which is well, insane. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird thing. Uh, well, another Chris a thing Brown. that makes it doubly weird is because, and please understand, let me preface this by saying I'm not suggesting that one woman is worth more than any other woman, but it ain't like he just punched some lady from the club. He punched Rihanna, who she is also beloved. You know right. what I mean? Like, that yeah. makes it crazy. Like, everyone, it would be one thing if, like, Rihanna, everybody thought Rihanna was a huge bitch, and they're like, eh, hey, whatever. But, like, she's a fucking superstar that everyone loves. Yeah, it is wild. Uh, Joe, you got Akon's birth name on there? I, I, I don't, but I I was listening to him say it. On, do you have it in front of you? Yeah. I was listening to him say it on Club Shay Shay, and I was like, I'm never going to remember how to pronounce that. Please try. He got about 14 middle names, yep. looks like, yep. uh, three of which are Lou, um, back to back to back. And I'm sure it's probably pronounced T-May, I guess, because mm -hmm. these are all African words, but it looks like, uh, two of his middle names is like Booga Time. Yeah, Booga Time. Like, I remember hearing Booga him Time. say that on Chase. Anyway, Shay. his name, his birth name apparently was uh, shit. Uh, a lot, a lot of Booga Time Buru Naka Lulu Lu Badara Ekantiam. Here's my thing on that. Um, yeah. respectfully to the culture, um, because obviously, like, look, people from different places have different names. And I know that over there, that's their word, so they're not going to have trouble pronouncing it. But it's the sheer length of the name. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, Because, like, over here, if you name someone, you know, with our language, I'd be able to pronounce it. But, like, it's that's like fucking, what, 28 letters in your goddamn name? It's a lot. You know, to no, be it's fair, more than like, that. British aristocracy and stuff. I mean, they do that with just with like English names, you know. Yeah, um, that's true. It's almost John as long. Michael like Cornelius. It, Black, yeah, you're well, right. Well, like Ray Fines. Ray Fines mm -hmm. is from an uh, like a, a aristocratic family over there. His full name. I knew it was something. But I looked it up. His full name is Rafe Nathaniel Twizzleton Wick Wick. Rafe Nathaniel Twizzleton Wickham Fines. Right. So okay. you know, well, I stand corrected. Long. That is anyway. pretty long. Go it ahead. makes sense that that motherfucker came from aristocracy. I love him, by the way. I'm not saying that in a bad way, but like, yeah, he rules. He definitely, yeah, he does rule. He definitely. Speaking of Chris Brown and bad shit, though, I've been, um, I've been lambasted a few times, and I think with complete merit from the airheads on, like, I'll talk about somebody, uh, but I'll sort of gloss over any bad shit that they did. Usually because this podcast is fun and light, but some of these are very wild. And so I will talk about a couple of the controversies that Akon has experienced in his life. Uh, for one, a lot of people say that, like, he never was locked up. Even <laughs> So in 2007, uh, Akon claimed to have spent three years in prison. He's doing an interview from 1999 to 2002, which would have been around the time Locked Up came, uh, for being part of an auto theft ring. However, apparently to some people it was later revealed that he had not been convicted of any crime and did not serve any time in prison. So, like, he keeps saying it was true, but, like, there's apparently facts that's like, no, nah, he never was in prison. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could see that being a problem, I guess, if, if that was part of his whole uh, allure lore. at the time. Yeah, lore, and it was a lie. Me being a cracker, I never once 
thought that he had actually been in prison. Was I supposed to hear the song locked up and think, damn, he wrote this from a cell? Because right. I never did. <laughs> yeah, because like, I love the song, but it's not as like go hardy as most like prison type things are. Like DMX talks about jail. I'm like, yeah, I believe this motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. All you M words that's been to jail before suck my dick, for example. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's what, the do- that's what the dog do. Yeah, right. Anyway. I wish they put that on his tombstone. Uh, in 2008, Akon was criticized for his comments about African-Americans and Africans. He claimed that Africans are more pure than African-Americans and that African-Americans have a false sense of entitlement. Uh, pretty rough stuff from Akon. I mean, it, you could, I mean, if you just take the African part out, if he just said like, I mean, you know, Americans are pretty entitled, ain't we? Generally, right? Like, yeah, I think. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, America is what's different there, right? To me, yeah. No, uh, I, no, I agree with you. Yeah. So you know, so like if he like if it was a white dude saying black people are fucking entitled, that's obviously a problem. But like an African guy being like, I think black, I think, I think the black people I got in America, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people think Americans are entitled is all I'm saying. He just happens to be a black dude from Africa. So it's like, that's how it came out when he said it. But like, I don't think that that's a, you know, uncommonly held belief or anything. The pure part is a little rough, but yeah, I hear you. Um, Well, yeah, I guess that's true. In 2010, Akon faced backlash from a Buddhist group in Sri Lanka for his music video with David Guetta. Uh, Sexy chick. This video featured a Buddhist statue in the background, which was seen as disrespectful to Buddhism. As a result, the Sri Lankan government decided not to issue him a visa to enter the country. They can kind of get fucked with that. David Guetta is the that white DJ who did that George Floyd tribute and said shout out to his family right before dropping the the beat real hard on that rooftop party or whatever. So I need you to I need you to repeat what you just said because you cut off right David after David Guetta, Guetta is that white British DJ who did that George Floyd tribute where he goes shout out to his family or whatever and then <laughs> drop the beat real hard on that rooftop party thing <laughs> that went like viral and George Floyd died because he's like you know he does that and he just starts vibing and shit shout out to his family yeah, yeah exactly yeah I mean that's he unironically did that it's very funny Jesus Christ. In in October 2023, though, so, you know, if Akon was lying about his former crimes, he maybe is making up for lost time. In October 2023, Akon made headlines when he was accused of running a drug trade and pirating TV and music. He was also charged with domestic abuse, unlicensed use of a handgun, and, Trey, possessing a military-grade tank. That's illegal? Where did this happen? <laughs> uh... You know, I don't have where it happened, but you wouldn't think. Okay, I I used to work Arnold with had a guy. A I bet I bet yes, Arnold has a time. I used to work with a guy. I don't think he he, he couldn't convince his wife, but like when a guy worked with a DOE old ex marine dude in his fifties, he was trying so hard to buy a tank, right? Like yeah. like an actual tank, and I, you know, I'm pretty sure in this country, like. You can, you probably, there's some permits, some forms you got to fill out or something, but I think you can figure, you can finagle a way to own a tank legally, okay. I think, because that's how insane we are. Other countries, maybe, I have no idea, probably not, but. 
maybe we got lost in the wording here because it says an unlicensed use of a handgun and possessing a military class tank. Maybe he didn't have the proper license for right. it. He just yeah. like got a tank from a dude, which like seems like what Akon would do. Probably it does. Yes. See your tank license, sir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was this was recently, but I didn't hear a goddamn thing about it, which is wild because these two dudes are like you know very popular. But in November 2023, Akon was embroiled in a legal battle with Suge Knight. Not a guy you want to be in battle with, uh, because Suge Knight accused him of rape. Uh, of, who? Then of who? Of who? I don't. I, I surely not. No way. There ain't no fucking way Suge Knight would publicly say that a much more diminutive man had successfully raped him. Like that's not. I would say it's the rape of a woman. Which, like, two things spring to mind. Like, I don't think Suge Knight gives a shit about that. But the second one is like. Maybe nah, he's like mad because he was going to rape her. You know what I mean? He's that's, like, what, that's what I was suggesting is like someone was like, yo, Suge Knight raped this girl. And Suge Knight was like, mm -mm, that was Akon. And just like, you know, right. rolled out. Uh, so I got to read two things back to back because they go together, in my opinion, because I was re read the first one first. And I was like, well, maybe he didn't know. <clears throat> in 2007, Akon was involved in a controversial performance at, a, at the Zen nightclub in Trinidad and Tobago, uh, he simulated sex, this is gross, y'all, with a 15-year-old girl uh, as part of a fake contest. This this actually led to criticism from right-wing political commentators, uh, and I think we all know why, uh, that they cared that he did it. But I was like, I was like, okay, all right, it is possible that, like, there was a girl at his concert that didn't look 15, and he just didn't ask any questions. However... Uh, in December 2023, and I didn't see this motherfucker on the list, but Akon faced backlash because he was listed on a lot of Epstein's flight logs, uh, which led to speculation about his involvement with Epstein. Now, you know. Okay. So Akon was on the flight list? He was on the flight list. Now, again... You know, Akon was super into, like, islands and traveling and trying to figure out how to make his own city, which I'll get to more in depth probably on next week's episode because we're running out of time. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know, dude. You know, it uh, it don't look good. But I figured I had to bring all that up because I know that in the comments when I just start talking about all this fucking, like, awesome shit Akon's doing, there's going to be some people that are like, you really skipped over all the that shit. So... Uh, I will briefly touch on this futuristic city that he's building. And then next week, is it cool with you if I wrap it all up? Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. So here's the deal. Uh, Akon is, he's a, he's, he's a Singalese, sen, sen, uh, Senegalese, Senegalese um, uh, American. That's, that's where he's from. And he's building a futuristic city in Senegal. Yep. Is that what it's called? Yep, Senegal, yep, yep. West Africa called Akon City. Um, so the city is, they're estimating it's going to cost $6 billion to do this. Right. And like, I agree that it would probably take $6 billion to create a city, but I'm like, I know Akon ain't got it like that. And I know that you don't have to have all the money, like you get investors and stuff, but like, and this is the reason that I want to come back next week and talk because uh, there's some people reporting that he's facing a lot of backlash because one of his investors is yeah. a mysterious investor that they can't figure out who this fucking guy is. And by that nature alone, they're like, okay, the 
the fact that we don't know anything about this guy and Akon won't even release his name means that there's some shady shit going on. So I'm going to try to get on like the back pages of the internet and try to find some shit out. But some things that we do know, uh, they're going to have, I don't know if you knew this, Akon City will have a cryptocurrency called Acoin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the only money you're going to be able to use there. But they're... Uh, and he's done a lot of shit before. Like he was involved in a, a an entrepreneurial thing for Africa called Lighting Africa, which like they're providing electricity to rural areas in Africa using solar energy. He's also invested in a diamond mine in South Africa, purportedly to like get rid of all the blood diamond type shit and make it more like you know, hey, we don't have to be doing it that way or whatever. So like on the surface. Akon seems to really be doing a lot of good in Africa. So I can't decide if all the shit that I'm going to talk about next week is like rooted in a lot of truth or if it's just like, man, as soon as you try to do something good, people try to bring you fucking down. But anyways, in summation uh, for this week, yeah, I don't know. Uh, like I said, 50 Cent has had a nice post-rap career with all of his businesses and shit. But if all of this goes through, it's one of the wildest like back 40s of an artist career i've ever heard of because he's essentially trying to build wakanda but for real right yeah that's what i was gonna say the wakanda thing it does seem like that but it i th- you put a gun to my head make me make a prediction here i would say the same thing i'd say about that you know about that saudi arabian city they're supposed to be building that's like a gigantic line it's like a line city uh-uh. like two big walls they're narrow and then it's long and the city is built that way narrow yeah i can't remember why economy of space or something it's a solar power or whatever else it's this wild super futuristic thing that shit ain't never gonna happen and i don't think icon city ever gonna happen either sure yeah. uh it's Be- one of those he's Somehow he's gotten a bunch of money out of these investors. He's fleeced some people or something somehow. And they like, I don't think that'll ever come to pass if I had to put money on it. Um, well, that's, but, you uh, know. you're setting up, you're setting up what I want to talk about next. But before we go, I did want to mention, because it kind of makes sense with what you just said. I just saw today that Russia is trying to make a new city that will appeal to and potentially house uh conservative americans they want to make a conservative america utopia hell yeah (laughs) you know what i mean so like it's looking good that's all i'm saying keeping on russia i love that shit that's Um, all i'm saying all right let's get to some airmail and stay tuned for next week for the thrilling conclusion of akon and his city uh subject line iron eyes and stephen hawking Hello, I just recently listened to the episode, and I cannot believe y'all never used the term spaghetti western as it related to Giuseppe Di Corti. Giuseppe Di Corti, right? That's how you say it? Yeah, but I didn't I didn't remember his name being Giuseppe. I thought it was Oscar. Iron Eyes Cody, they called him Oscar. It was, or it was some other Italian name. It wasn't Giuseppe, though. It might have been okay, his well. name, I guess. Either way, whatever. I dropped the ball a couple times on that because we never said Spaghetti Western. We also talked about, do Indians cry? And someone else pointed out to us, it's like, yeah, you ever heard of the Trail of Tears, you fucking dipshits? It's like, oh, right, yeah. How the hell are you going to talk about the concept of Indians crying and never even consider the Trail of Tears? Hell, even in Tennessee, even in Clay County Public Schools, we learned about the Trail of Tears, you know. Andrew well, here's Jackson's why. crowning achievement, Tennessee's own Andrew Jackson. So, anyway. Old Hickory. Well, here's yeah. why we didn't bring up the Trail of Tears. We forgot because we 
we do not associate Native Americans purely with one of the worst things that happened to them in their past. We do not think that they are defined by their tragedy. We more think that they are defined by their pride and spirit. And uh, that's why we forgot, not because we're idiots. Um, Anyways, (laughs) Uh, subject line, my nasty Nana. Uh, Howdy, Corey and Trey. Trey's video regarding the British mammal enjoying watching two gentlemen suck each other off and your subsequent observations that, yes, our grandmothers probably were pretty nasty, got me to thinking about my own unpleasant realization that, yes, the elderly fuck. My father's mother died two weeks after he, wa- after he was born, so I had no grandmother on my father's side. My mother's father died in 1970 when I was five, so the only grandparent I ever really knew was my mother's mother, who was born in 1904, making her a spry and horny Italian lady, now widowed at age 66. Having that beautiful Italian skin that runs in our family, her complexion belied her age, and she was blessed with many suitors in her widowed state. She outlived three of them and was dating her fourth in 1991 at age 87, the year I graduated med school. She was able to come to the graduation, and at the terminus of that trip, she cried, saying that because of her age, I would never see her again. Woof. Wanting to prove her wrong, my first vacation in internship, I flew out to western Massachusetts to spend some time with her that October. I met her current beau, whose name was Gus, and I remember him distinctly. He seemed like a pleasant enough fellow, and like all of her prior boyfriends, significantly younger than she. On a trip on a trip to town with Nana as Gus hung around at her home on King Street in Orange, Massachusetts, I found myself in a situation I had never been in in all of my life, having a relationship discussion with my grandmother. She launched into it quite freely, as though I were her most trusted, confidant, and lifelong friend, lamenting that she was a pretty disappointed that Gus can't do anything down there, implying that he was impotent. And without missing a beat, she said something I recall to this day. I never knew you could have love without sex. I had never thought of Maria Troani Angelina Rathburn, as I don't know why I rolled the R, uh, as a sex-starved horn dog, but there it is. After the shock wore off, I decided to play along and turned to her and said, Well, Nana, he has a tongue, doesn't he? She smiled and giggled like she had just been caught farting. On the flight home, I thought, yay, I'm going to have a libido until the day I die. But upon further contemplation, lamented, wait, maybe that's a bad thing. That is my friend Kim, who is a substacker uh, and a woman that I love. So there you go, Trey. Some people fuck when they're old. Some people do fuck. Mammals. Mammals be fucking. I mean, you know, it's become I'm frozen. Like, I need to keep talking because Trey uh, hasn't unfrozen yet. But uh, yeah, you know... Uh, Having that libido, by the way, uh, our friend there, Gus, could have used some Blue Chew, which is a sponsor of this show. Uh, there you go, Trey. Uh, old people be banging. Plug your shit. Yeah, they do be banging. I mean, I was going to say, everybody at this point has heard. It was like a thing. I feel like it first came out in about 2003-ish, and everybody was like, what? <laughs> and then since then, everybody on Earth has heard the little factoid about uh, how, you know, STDs run rampant in old folks' homes. Yep. Because they all be fucking in there. Of course they do. Uh, and, you know, so anyway, shout out to my Mima in the Clay County old folks' <laughs> home. Anyway, uh, come see me live on TreyCrowder.com. Uh, be in Charlottesville tomorrow. Torch is optional. Come see me. Then, uh, then I'm going to Orlando and Tampa and then DC and Virginia and a bunch of other places. Go to TreyCrowder.com and I'll see you out there. Love you. Bye. 
Hey, buy our book uh, around here and over yonder. It's available wherever you get your books. And yes, there's an audio version. And yes, we read it, baby. And also for more of my musings, uh, Kim, who I just read her email there, she is a member of my Substack, and she can write in and tell you how great it is because it is. You can sign up for my Substack at bonuscory.com. Full-length audio dramedies, essays, videos, rant podcast, anything you love from me, just in longer form over there. All right. Stay fancy. Moser fuckers. Here's Lydia Loveless. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Royalty and rednecks are alike. They both like cutting and picking fights. Biscuits and baked beans where they don't belong. Sit on down with Corey and Trey and learn some fancy shit today. We'll laugh a little even when they're wrong. They'll take you to a magical place where if you call someone a cut, nobody cares. They keep it debonair at putting on airs, putting on airs, putting on airs, putting on NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! As an adult, don't we all miss spring break? Nothing like taking a week off from all your responsibilities. Well, here's the next best thing for adults, a spring break from house payments. SaveWithConrad.com can help you get rid of all your credit card debt just like that. We're routinely helping our listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this, but check this out. No house payments for two months at SaveWithConrad.com. 